Well, good morning, friends. Uh, we are in Mark chapter 12. Uh, we took a little break from that yesterday. And um, I kind of want to add a few of those breaks in as we go. I've got, if you could see my desk, you'd know why. I've been doing a lot of um, a lot of study in, uh, in a lot of different areas. I wish I could focus more, uh, but it's just not the way I'm wired, I guess. Uh, I'm praying about it, but... <laughs> Uh, I have three by five cards all over my desk with ideas that I would love to share. I've also been listening to great teaching from different sources, and um, and I would like to bring that to you. Not my original thoughts, but uh, great teaching and things that are, of course, very scriptural, um, but uh, would be very helpful, I think, in our walks. As we begin this morning, um, you know, we're in Mark chapter 12, but I want to go back up a page uh, to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, which is the verse that really sparked all of this. Um, and I'm praying that you're learning this verse, maybe on a three by five card, carry it with you. Uh, maybe you don't need that. Maybe you can memorize really quickly. I don't do that as well as I used to. But in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, this is really our key verse of the study. It says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That verse sums up so much. Uh, even the Son of Man, that's that's the allusion back to Daniel chapter 7, um, verses 13 and 14. Um, his mission, he came not uh, to be served, but to serve. And what, what did that service require? It required everything up to and including his life. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. And again, as a ransom for many does not mean for all. That ransom price was paid, but it's it's not everyone who will be saved, which is sad for me because I'm a people person and, and with a pastoral heart and I want everyone to be saved. And I wish it could be true, but it is not. But we don't know who will be saved or who won't be saved, so we stay about the master's business, keeping busy. And one of those ways we keep busy is to study his word. Go to Matthew chapter, excuse me, Mark chapter twelve now, and let's read the verses that we'll be looking at today, verses eighteen through twenty-seven. Um, subtitle in my um, Bible says the Sadducees ask about the resurrection, which in the first verse kind of seems. Uh, funny, but you'll get into it more as we, uh, and you'll understand more as we get into it. It says, the Sadducees ask about the resurrection, and the Sadducees came to him who say there is no resurrection. So what do you think is up here? Obviously, they're trying to trick him. And they ask him a question saying, teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There's the, the, um, premise of this whole thing. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and and died and left no offspring. And the third, likewise, and the, and the seven left no offspring. It just was on and on and on. Last of all, the woman who did, uh, also died. In the resurrection, verse 23 seems to, to, to be that they believe in the resurrection, but verse 18 says they do not. So you can see what they're trying to do here, and Jesus knows their heart. In the resurrection, uh, when they rise again, whose wife shall she be? For the seven had her as a wife. Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are wrong? <laughs> because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when 
they rise from the dead. For when they rise from the dead, meaning there is a resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Is he not the is he not God of the dead, but of the living? You are quite wrong. One of the things that came to my mind as I was reading this is what is on my mind? Am I just thinking about uh, the next meal? Am I thinking about how to pay the bills? Am I thinking about uh, maybe I should mow my lawn today? Um, or, or, or does my mind go to eternal things as well? You can write this scripture down. I want to read it for you. Psalm nineteen fourteen. Um, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What do I think about? What is it that that uh, is on my is on my mind and it's on my heart? Um, and I pray that it's pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Now. Let's do some explanation, and for this, I'm going to go right to Wearsby because as I was reading this, it just, I actually taped this once before, <laughs> and I didn't like it, so I erased it. And one of the reasons I didn't like it is I tried to kind of make it too much my message, and so I'm just going to use somebody who's a mentor to me. One of the things that I have been taught, and uh, and I hope this works for you, is that when you read something... Uh, um, First of all, it has to be scriptural, right? We need to study, make sure it's scriptural. But but and and we do that by understanding the heart of the person who wrote it, right? We we can investigate the hearts of the people in scripture. We can look at them, and we can look at the the wealth of information they came and where they came from. You know, they were they eyewitnesses? Were they there when things happened? If not, were they with people who were once eyewitnesses? Uh, Wearsby was called the pastor's pastor. He's an amazing man of God. He's with Jesus now, but he's he's my mentor because he wrote books. They don't have people don't have to be alive to be your mentor. In fact, it's better if they're not sometimes because then they can't make mistakes. It's just a little side note. Let's go to uh, Wearsby and what he says here, which I love it. This is the only place in Mark, in the book of Mark, where the Sadducees are mentioned. This group accepted only the law of Moses as their religious authority. So if the doctrine could not be defended from the first five books of the Old Testament, they would not accept it. Now that helps you understand verse 26. Uh, and as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses. See how um, Jesus brings it back to the five books that they relate to. Know your audience when you're speaking. Know your audience when you're talking to somebody. Um, we sometimes throw out uh, um, scriptures to people who don't even know understand what scripture is. And we need to do a better job of understanding where people are at. Jesus understood where they were. And so he, he took them right back to what they believed. Um, the the Sadducees uh, did not believe in the existence of the soul, the life after death, res resurrection, final judgment, angels or demons. And that's why they are sad, you see. That's how you remember the Sadducees. Sorry, that was pretty corny, but it is a good way to remember. They don't believe in the existence of the soul, life after death, resurrection or final judgment, um, angels or demons. Let's go to Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 23 and... Verse 8, Acts chapter 23, 
and verse 8. Flipping through my pages. Acts chapter 23 and verse 8 says this. For the Sadducees say there, um, that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Paul was before the council, and there were Pharisees and Sadducees there, and they, he was getting nowhere with them. So he looks around, again, know your audience. He sees the Sadducees, and he sees the Pharisees, and he says, I am a Pharisee, and he just split the crowd in half. Most of the Sadducees were priests and were wealthy. They considered themselves to be the religious aristocrats of Judaism and tended to look down on everybody else. This is important to know. As you're studying the book of Mark, it's important to understand the groups. So stop, underline it, and look and study. You can just Google things. You can Google Sadducee. You can uh, find a good commentary or Bible, um, like a Haley's uh, Bible handbook or a commentary like Wearsby and look it up. Uh, they brought a hypothetical, quest hypothetical question to Jesus based on the law of marriage given in Deuteronomy 25 verses 5 or 7 through 10. He takes them back to Deuteronomy. What again? Where is Deuteronomy? It's in the five first five books of the Bible, and it is, it is um, the teaching of Moses. So the Sadducees would have liked this. So he takes them back to Deuteronomy, and he he starts talking about, and he relates the story. This woman had a series of seven husbands during her lifetime, all brothers all of whom had died. If there is such a thing as a future resurrection, they argued, then she must spend eternity with seven husbands. It seemed a perfect argument, as most, most arguments that are based on hypothetical situations are. So he takes him back to the word of God, which is exactly what Jesus did. Now remember, John 1.1 1, 1 says he is the word, and John 1.14 says he's the word made flesh. Do you think Jesus understood the word? Absolutely. But Jesus didn't use some new argument with them. He took them to the word of God. And oh, that we would do the same thing. That we would not take the latest thing from the latest book and present it as if it's on the level of scripture. Because it is not. It may be extra biblical. It may be something that will help us understand scripture. But when you're talking to people, even if they don't have a clear understanding of Scripture, you can be gentle and you can be kind and you can say where we, um, where we have to come from is, is the Scripture. We're talking about spiritual life. We're talking about your uh, eternity. And so we have to go to the one who wrote all about eternity, the one who is eternal. We talk about God from the Scriptures. Let's go on with Wearsby. The Sadducees thought that they were smart. But Jesus revealed their ignorance of two things, the power of God and the truth of Scripture. Write that down, the power of God and the truth of Scripture, because this was not simply about um, a belief system here. It was about negating the power of God because of all the things they didn't believe in, and it was about only holding to five books of Scripture. The resurrection is not the... Listen to this. This is so good. The resurrection is not the res, uh, restoration of life as we know it. It's not uh, from from John uh, uh, John's book uh, where Jesus raised Lazarus from the death, uh, dead. Right? He brings him back from the dead, but he brings him back to his original situation. Right? He's breathing, living, breathing, but he's alive. He's not in that sense resurrected because the resurrection is completely different. He restored him. He brought him back, but he brought him back in his original body, in his original state. He brought him back and Lazarus 
would die again. In the resurrection, after the resurrection, there is no death for you and I as believers. Resurrection is not the restoration of life as we know it. It is the entrance into a new life that is different. The same God who created the angels and gave them their nature is able to give us the new bodies that we will all need for new life in heaven. You remember Jesus when he's raised from the dead, he's able to do things that he didn't do before because he limited himself by wrapping himself in human flesh, John chapter one and verse 14. And he did that because you and I are in human flesh. Hebrews chapter two, 14 says he became like the brothers. He became like you and I. Why? So he he could be tempted. He could be hungry. He could be thirsty. He could be tired. He could go through all of those things. Why? Because Hebrews tells us that we now have a high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he was tested like all on all points like you yet without fail therefore we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive help in time of need that's in hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 it was necessary for jesus to to suffer just like you and i suffer although he suffered obviously way more but he suffered the same kinds of things he suffered persecution he suffered betrayal he suffered all of those things, abandonment, all of those things. He was physically tired. He was, he was, he was spent. He was wiped out. He was hungry. He was thirsty. Remember in John chapter four, he went to the well to meet the woman at the well, the woman um, to, uh, that had five wives, the uh, Samaritan woman. And what happened? Why did he go there? He went there to meet her, but he also went there because he was thirsty. See, the physical need meant, uh, went, uh, Uh, also allowed for him to meet his spiritual need. He was thirsty. And you and I need to be thirsty for the word of God so that we can also meet spiritual needs through the word of God. Hope that makes sense. So Jesus says to, to says to uh, says to them and talks to them about the resurrection being new, and then he he mentions in Mark chapter twelve that that we're going to be like the angels, and people go, see, 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 there's the angels. We're going to be on clouds. We're going to float. We're going to play harps. No, no. What he meant was we'll be like the angels in that we will not marry or be given in marriage. Why? There's no death. So there's no reason for new life to come about. Those that are in heaven will be in heaven. I said this to, to someone who who is madly in love <laughs> with her husband after after having a, a a rough experience before or experiences before, and she said, "I finally found the man I love. I don't like it. I don't like it." And she was really mad at me. But the reality is that there's something greater in heaven because we truly will be married in heaven. We'll be married to the Savior Jesus Christ. But we'll be like the angels in the fact that we do not have physical bodies or excuse me, a need for um, um, marriage because our bodies will be changed as well. They do not wear out, right? They do not wear out. What a great feeling for us that are older. Jesus did not say that we would become like angels or be like the angels in everything for God's children are higher than the angels. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. In John chapter 17, John chapter 17, I turned the wrong way in my Bible. See, I do that too. John chapter 17, let's look at verses uh, 22 through 24. 
John 17, 22 through 24. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I am in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. And how would we be like him and how will we be able to, to be where he is? We'll be resurrected and we'll be given resurrected bodies. Now turn to First John, First John, all the way back towards the back of the Bible. If you got to Revelation, you went too far. First John chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2. First John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be, there's two tenses there. There's the present tense and the future tense. We, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We're going to be like him. In order to be where Jesus is, to go where Jesus is, we have to be changed. Our bodies, uh, our physical bodies cannot eat in, 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 inherit eternal life. So there's a change that's going to have to take place. And that change comes at the resurrection or at the rapture. Right? He said that in our resurrection bodies, we would be sexless like the angels and therefore marriage would no longer exist. In the eternal state where our new bodies are perfect and there is no death, think about that, perfect bodies, there is no death, there will be no need for marriage, procreation, the continuance of the race. It makes sense when you, when you, when you understand that we are God's children now, but we are not yet complete, we're not yet in our final bodies. The Sadducees were also ignorant of the scriptures. They claimed to accept the authority of Moses, but they failed to notice that Moses taught the continuation of life after death. And once again, our Lord takes them back to the scripture as he did in multiple occasions. Multiple occasions, Jesus took people back to the word of God. Let's look at a few of those. Mark chapter 2, verse 25. Mark chapter 2, and verse 25. He's talking to the Pharisees and he says, and he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry and um, those who were with him also were hungry? He takes them back to the scripture. He answers their question by taking them back to the scripture, the scripture that they knew and understood. Again, they they continued to be uh, befuddled by Christ because he spoke like no one spoke with authority that no one had. But he, he used the same scriptures. He used the scripture to speak to them. Look at uh, Mark chapter 10 and verse 19. He's talking to the rich young ruler now. Verse 19, you know the commandments. Where do the commandments come from? They come from Exodus chapter 20, right? Where is that? Where is that? In the Old Testament. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your a father and your mother. And the man says to him, teacher, all of these things I've kept from my youth. So not only did he know the scripture, he says, I kept these things. And Jesus didn't rebuke him. And Jesus didn't say, you don't know the scriptures. And he didn't know. He didn't say you're lying. But what did Jesus do? He took him back to, took him back to the scriptures. What does he do to um, 
in Mark chapter 12 and verse 10, he does the same thing. He's talking to them uh, about the parable of the tenants. Remember, we talked about the um, the parable of the tenants and, and how um, the tenants uh, took over the vineyard to produce the vineyard. And, and for the first three years, nobody would partake. But in the fourth year, uh, the master would send his servants to get um, his take from the vineyard to continue ownership. That's um, what's discovered in, uh, or, or discussed in Leviticus. And in this situation, it's a spiritual vineyard, right? He sends the prophets, they kill him one by one. And then he finally sends his son. They said, hey, here's his final heir. We'll kill him and we'll own the vineyard. Jesus takes them to the scriptures in, in uh, chapter 12, verse 10. Have you not read? And he quotes Psalm 118, 22 through 23. Uh, I, I need to get us to understand and to begin to look back into the Old Testament so that we'll understand that the Old Testament points to the new and the new reveals the old. Okay, I move on. In this case, he takes them to a passage that they would have understood they would have understood in Exodus, or they would have read, probably not understood because they chose not to believe in the resurrection. But this is a good one. This is fabulous how Jesus just brings it back. In Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, we know the story of the burning bush, but we maybe haven't seen this in the story of the burning bush. Exodus chapter 3, uh, verse 6. And he said, I am the God of your father, um, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. He takes them to the scripture. And why does he take them to this scripture talking about the resurrection? Because he says, notice what God says. He doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He says, I am. I am. I am still alive. I am eternally alive. And they are as well. And how is that possible? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, and we'll land this thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Paul uses a term for the body here that in the in the Greek means a, temp, a tent, a temporary dwelling place. To be absent from this body is to be at home with the Lord. Jesus says to them, you are so wrong about the scripture. Have you not read in, in Moses' book, in the book of Moses, Exodus chapter 3, they would have understood that this was from the framework of what they believed the first five books of the Bible. And he says, have you not heard what God said? I am I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not I was, but I still am. He's the God of the living, not the God of the dead. Let me close this in prayer. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you till we talk again.